Good morning, I'm Harley Schlanger with the LaRouche Organization for your update for January 3rd, 2022. Yes, we're into the new year and unfortunately most of the problems that existed in the old year have come over with us. And most particularly we're dealing with a very intense strategic crisis uh, in relations between the United States and Russia. There are some meetings scheduled for later this month, in fact, to begin the week after next, uh, after this week, and there'll be ongoing discussions. But the question that comes up is, will the United States respond to the concerns raised by Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia? And what Putin, to, just to remind you if you've forgotten, Putin is insisting that there be legally binding security guarantees for Russia that the West will not expand NATO to the Russian borders, including bringing in Ukraine and Georgia into NATO, and will not extend the lethal weaponry of NATO into those countries. Uh, and in particular, Putin has emphasized that by moving weapons, especially uh, offensive weapons, to the very borders of Russia, the Russians have less than four or five minutes to respond if they pick up some evidence that there's an offensive strike coming against them. And this is unacceptable. It's an unacceptable security problem for Russia, one which is completely avoidable. But in the meantime, the West has been insisting, especially U.S. intelligence and British intelligence, NATO intelligence, that Russia's troop movements inside Russia represent a probable intent by Putin to invade Ukraine. Now, in, in looking at this, what we see beyond the question of NATO per se is a grouping within Ukraine, which is very much anti-Russian, which has a history of activity against the Russian populations, uh, and not an ancient history, one that goes back to World War II with the collaboration of certain Ukrainian units with the Nazi SS. Uh, and then that was picked up again on the Maidan Square where there were neo-Nazi forces, the Azov Battalion, the right sector, and so on, who were instrumental in the overthrow of the neutral government of Yanukovych. And I say neutral because Yanukovych was being pulled into the European Union at the last second when he pulled back this became the basis for triggering the riots on the Maidan Square in which there were neo-Nazi militia that were armed and shooting that were key to the overthrow of the Yanukovych regime. And they were backed totally by the United States in the form of uh, Deputy Secretary of State Victoria Nuland, who's back to the number three position in the State Department today. So this adds to the Russian concern. Now, just listen to this. On New Year's Day, there was a torchlight parade in Kiev where you had the right brigade marching behind banners proclaiming their solidarity with Stepan Bandera, who was the leader of the Ukrainian nationalist forces that slaughtered Russians, Poles, and Jews as an adjunct to the Nazi SS during World War II. Uh, Bandera is a, a very miserable figure, but the brigades that were marching under torchlight in Kiev this January 1st, uh, 
they said they were doing this to honor the memory of Bandera on his birthday. Now, Bandera has a history as an extreme right nationalist uh, who was involved in the assassination of the Polish interior minister in 1934. He was in prison until 1939 for that. Uh, when the Germans invaded the Soviet Union in June 1941, Operation Barbarossa, he pledged his loyalty to Hitler. And even though he was still in and out of prisons and actually spent a little bit of time in a Nazi concentration camp, when he was released, he went to work with the Nazi SS. And his re Ukrainian brigades were involved in some of the worst uh, ethnic cleansing atrocities, that is genocide, inside Ukraine. During that period and after, <clears throat> Bandera had ties with British intelligence as part of their anti-Soviet networks in Ukraine, in work, actually working in Germany. So it was no coincidence that the followers of Bandera were at the forefront of the coup against the Yanukovych regime in 2014. And, and as they were marching, as I said, they said, we remember and honor the memory of Stepan Bandera. Now, these forces that were marching behind the banners, which are slightly disguised swastikas, uh, are embedded. They're part of militia units that are embedded inside the Ukrainian defense and security forces, including those that are deployed into the area bordering eastern Ukraine, where the fighting has gone on for the last six years. And this is the concern, one of the concerns of the Russians, that as long as these Kiev crazies are in the military, in the security forces, and are demanding the return of Crimea and the uh, submission of eastern Ukraine to their rule, in violation of agreements they signed, the so-called Minsk agreements, as long as they're prominent inside the government, there's a danger of a provocation that would force the Russians to move into eastern Ukraine to defend the Russian ethnic population there. Now, with that in mind, let's look back at, at one aspect of why we are calling this a reverse Cuban Missile Crisis. As you probably recall, or if you don't recall, this is history that should be known to every American. In 1962, the United States discovered that the Soviet Union was placing nuclear missiles inside Cuba. And there were satellite photos that showed the missile emplacements. Uh, the Kennedy declared a quarantine, that is a uh, naval blockade of Cuba. And on October 22, 1962, he addressed this on uh, national television. And what he said at that point is that he explained why the quarantine was necessary. He said, neither the U.S. nor the world community can tolerate deliberate deception, referring to the fact that the Soviets said they were not deploying missiles, uh, cannot tolerate deliberate deception and offensive threats on the part of any nation. The deployment of these missiles in Cuba, uh, close to the U.S. soil and close enough to hit Washington, D.C. with nuclear weapons, was seen by Kennedy and, and everyone in the world as a threat against the United States. He went on to say that the placement of Russian missiles in Cuba, quote, 
in an area well known to have a special and historic relationship to the United States is a deliberately provocative and unjustified change in the status quo, which cannot be accepted by this country. Now, Cuba had historically, going back to the Spanish-American War, a relationship to the United States. And what Kennedy was saying is you can't come into this area and turn it into a battleground or a, a flotilla, essentially a, a weapons deployment center against the United States. We will not tolerate that. Now, this is precisely what Putin is saying about Ukraine. This idea of a special and historic relationship to the U.S., well, Ukraine has a special historic relationship with Russia. And this goes back centuries. And the idea that the uh, Russians have no say-so as to what's happening in Ukraine, it's not as though the Russians are declaring war against Ukraine. They're saying, we will not allow you to use this country as a staging area for offensive threats against our nation. That's a security question for Russia. And so Putin has insisted that the promises that were made in 1990, when the Russians, the Soviet Union, was, was being uh, broken down and the Warsaw Pact military alliance was, was uh, dismantled, the Russians got an agreement from James Baker, the U.S. Secretary of State, that there would be no forward eastern movement of NATO. And yet since then, NATO forces... NATO countries have, there are 14 or, or 16 new countries in NATO. The uh, NATO boundary has moved 1,000 kilometers toward Russia. There are states such as Lithuania, Estonia, Latvia that are literally on the border with Russia that are part of NATO, also Poland. And now the idea that, the, that, that Ukraine would become part of NATO is seen as an existential security threat by President Putin. And he's demanded that there be written guarantees that follow the handshake agreement that was made in 1990. That's the contention point. That's what was discussed with Biden on December 7th. That was discussed with Biden on December 30th. And that will be one of the major subjects of the January 9th and 10th strategic stability talks between the U.S. and Russia, which will also take up the question of renewing the START talks, uh, possible uh, anti-nuclear treaties, and so on. But what's essential to realize is for the same reason Kennedy could not tolerate Russian offensive forces in Cuba, Putin and the Russians, for security reasons, will not accept NATO forces in Ukraine. That's what is the, the talking point. We in the United States and, and the NATO alliance have been completely unwilling to even consider the security concerns of the Russians, even as the United States, the British, and others were directly involved in the coup that overthrew a, a, what was mostly a, a neutral or, or leaning toward Russian government of Yanukovych. But the same issue was the Western resolve to destroy Iraq, Iran, Syria, Libya, and elsewhere. When the United States says Russia can have no sphere of influence, including on its own borders, 
Meanwhile, the United States has essentially claimed most of the Middle East and most of Eastern Europe as part of its security buffer zone. So the hypocrisy is one thing, but the danger of war that stems from that hypocrisy is something that ought to be of concern to every person on this planet. And we'll be covering this over the next days as these meetings take place. Uh, you can go to the LaRouche Organization website or to larouchepub.com for more material backing this up. And thanks for joining me today. Uh, I hope everyone is happy to be in a new year and let's make this a better year. See you tomorrow.